0: Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to read a scripture to you that I don't have in front of me, but she's going to put it up on the screen, I think. The first one, that one. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church, and I will I sing praise unto thee. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Amen. Let us sing praise unto the Lord. In this series of messages, I have asked and answered the question repeatedly. I think this is the 10th Tenth message in this series of messages. And the question is, who are you? Who are you? If you're a believer in Christ, then you need to have answers to that question. And there's no point in using the earthly answers when the Bible has many, many, many answers to that question. Today we're going to see that you are sanctified. Sanctified. I I think I'm going to pray a little more before we, we go into the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. Father, I ask you to straighten us out with your word today. We are living sacrifices to you, holy and acceptable to you. Lord, your word teaches us that this is our reasonable service. You may have all of us to use as you see fit. Set us apart for service to you, Father. Guide us to be strengthened in the power of your might. Open our minds to receive your wisdom and understanding and eliminate all distractions, I pray. Please expunge any human teachings and traditions that are contrary to your word. Draw us near to you, and Father, we ask that you would draw near to us. Help us to cleanse our hands, Father, and purify our hearts. Lift up the light of your countenance upon us. Let us not be double-minded. Wash over us with your Holy Spirit-filled Word and make us people of love for you and our neighbor, which is the fulfillment of the law. It is the essence of holiness. Please grant to your servant by your Spirit that with all boldness I may speak your word through the name of the one we call Jesus, Yahshua, your Messiah. And all of God's people said, Amen. You can open the Bibles there if you have them in your seat, if you care to follow along. And I'm sure this young lady's put it up on the screen. Praise the Lord. Page 1814 is where you'll find... One Thessalonians, page eighteen fourteen. One Thessalonians we're going to begin with Verse one. And we're going to read down through verse thirteen. be nice if I'd mark the Bible once in a while, huh? Beginning at verse 1, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Notice that he said he had already given them the instructions on how to live, how to walk, And please God. He's not talking about walking by setting one foot in front of the other. He's talking about how we conduct ourselves during our stay here on earth as foreigners, as strangers, as pilgrims. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. The will of God, this is the will of God, your sanctification. "...that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this manner, because the Lord is the avenger of all such." as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another." And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. We have some neighbors that we'd like to see mind their own business. And to work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that you may walk properly toward those who are outside, and that you may lack nothing. Do you see the connection there? You will walk that you may, that you would walk properly toward those who are outside. Now, if there's anybody who looks at your life will see that you're walking according to God's will and that you may lack nothing. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him. Those who sleep in Jesus. I'll say we'll stop there and trust the Lord to add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Sanctification <clears throat> Who knows what that word means? It's a mighty big word there, Pastor. But what does that mean to us believers? Huh? Well, I'm glad you asked. Sanctification. Now, in order to really get the meaning, we're going to look at some definitions, okay? Sanctified is a big word. Sanctification is a big word. Daniel Webster defines sanctification as the act, the act of making holy. In an evangelical sense, the act of God's grace By which the affections of men, people, are purified or alienated from sin and the world and exalted to a supreme love of God. In other words, your love of the world, your love of sin are now transferred from the world and sin to God. And it's an act of grace. It's an act of grace. Keep that in mind. And Webster quotes part of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, where it's written, God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. So we see that belief and sanctification go hand in hand. And then he also references 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm not going to read that whole passage, but I would encourage you to. Webster's second idea is the act of consecrating or setting apart for a sacred purpose. Sacred. I looked that word sacred up and A long time ago, because somebody called something sacred and grabbed my children because they were sitting on something that they called sacred and they shook them. They said, You don't sit there. That's sacred. I said, Oh my. I better look that word up. If it's important enough to chase my children out of the church, I better see what that's all about. Yeah, it's secret. See, they were religious people, they weren't relational. If it had been relational, they wouldn't have grabbed my children and shook them. But that's a side note. Now, we're going back to that idea of an act being performed. If there's an act being performed, wouldn't that mean that there's an actor? There's an act. There's an actor. There has to be an actor. So we'll come back to that, but again... There's an act and there's an actor, and I want you to keep that in mind. The English word sanctification comes from the Greek word hagiasmos, and Strong's Concordance defines it as purification, the state of purification, the state of purity. And concretely, by a Hebrewism, it is a purifier, holiness. Holiness. This is a word that's gotten lost on Christianity because we have a sect of Christianity that has gone into a whole other place with that. But it doesn't negate the fact that God wants us to be set apart for him. He wants us to be consecrated to him. He wants us to be sanctified to him. Holy unto the Lord. And that word... Hagiasmus, it occurs ten times in the New Testament Scriptures. Five of them are translated sanctification, and three of those are in the text that we read. The other five are translated holy, holiness, excuse me. Hagiasmos comes from hagiadzo, which means to make holy. Remember the act? Act to make holy. And ceremonially, Ceremonially, it means to purify or consecrate, and mentally, to venerate, to hallow, to be holy, to sanctify, and that occurs 29 times in the New Testament. 29 times. Now, I'm not going to read all those scriptures, but at some point in the future, we're probably going to do a study on sanctification. We're going to look at every scripture that's related to sanctification so that this congregation, whomever would like to be a part of that, will comprehend what it means without any religious background involved. And hagiadzo comes from hagios, hagios, which means sacred, physically pure, morally blameless or religious, ceremonially consecrated, most holy one, most holy thing, and saint. And it occurs 229 times, saint. I'm not going to cover that. I was going to, but I, I think we should look at that next week because of time. Who gets the credit for our position in God's kingdom? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is where it's written, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, Yahshua, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That is, excuse me, that as it is written. He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. We can't take credit for it. Who gets the credit? He does. Right. We don't get the credit. We can't take the credit. We didn't do anything. And that's where some of the folks that went off the rails on holiness go wrong. Because they take the credit for doing what they do by following long lists of rules. Instead, it's supposed to be Christ who gets the credit. The quote there refers to Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. In other words, if you're smart, don't take the credit for it. If you're wise, don't take the credit for it. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Don't think that you have done something. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. This is God himself speaking to his people. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Don't take credit you see what God delights in? Loving kindness, judgment, righteousness. The truth is, when we're set apart for God, we're set apart from something, and we're set apart to something else. And we're given freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. And there's where some of our other brothers and sisters get it wrong. They say, because I've been... I mean, liberty, I've been given liberty, that I have the liberty to sin. And there are some who really live by that. They sin it up. But the Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 6, what then, shall we sin because we're not under law but under grace? Certainly Not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Now, I've used this passage of Scripture in many passage, or many sermons throughout my time as a pastor. Because there are those who argue that because they're at liberty that they can sin. But the Scripture makes it very clear we are not. We are set apart from sin. We are turned away from sin. We are sanctified. Now we go on and read there, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And see that is the first step in the process of sanctification. You are delivered from evil. You're delivered from sin. You are delivered from everything that you once were, may I use the word, addicted to. Because sin is an addiction. Sin is an addiction that takes the soul into darkness. And the darkness becomes an addiction. And having been set free from sin, now there you could say sanctified from sin, Having been sanctified from sin, having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You were sanctified unto righteousness. You were set apart unto righteousness. I speak in human terms, Paul goes on to say to the Roman Christians at that time, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. But just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now, here's an instruction, folks, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness." For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin, having been sanctified from sin, having been set apart from sin, and having become slaves of God, slaves of righteousness, you have your fruit, the result to holiness and the end, everlasting life. See, and in that passage, we're hearing three types of sanctification. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That passage is often quoted, it's often stated, it's often used, especially when people are sharing the gospel because they want to draw souls out of the darkness and into the light. But they skip this other stuff that talks about holiness and everlasting life. We're instructed here to present our bodies as slaves of righteousness unto holiness. And the result of this action on our part is that we sin less and less until we are glorified by God. We don't just go on sinning, we don't just take the liberty to sin. See, God takes us by Christ out of sin. He sets us apart for his use, for his purposes, so that we are his people, a chosen people, unto him. He uses us. But guess what happens whenever the light enters the darkness? You can be swallowed by it. And if you remain in the darkness, how can light and darkness have fellowship together? They cannot, because in darkness there is no light. The darkness swallows the light. If we will but allow him, he will continue to set us apart, sanctify us out of darkness. He will set us apart into the light, And we will not be those people of darkness any longer. In fact, his word says, you once were, but you no longer are. Too many think that they can stay in the darkness and still have what the light has to offer. And that's not possible. If you're sanctified, and I believe that you are, but if there's anybody here that has any doubt about that before this service is over, I'm going to want you to come forward and we're going to pray That God will give you whatever it is that you're lacking so that you can recognize that in fact you have been chosen by him, set apart for him, and you'll be used by him continuously. Some call this what we just read, the three types of sanctification. Positional, by Christ we are sanctified. Progressive. It means throughout our lives we are progressing more and more in sanctification. We are becoming more and more like Christ. That's why we call ourselves Christians. We are like Christ. Christ was sinless. We're not. But by the Holy Spirit we are led in that direction, not the other direction. And then there's the total, the idea of permanent sanctification when we are glorified by God in His presence, when we're brought into His kingdom, final in eternity, the rest of eternity. So let's revisit. Remember I said keep that in mind about the actor and the the action? Remember what I said? The truth is that if there's an act performed or performed, then there must be an actor, right? Who's the actor? Well, we all know it's Christ. We all know it's God. Peter tells us in the first epistle, in the first chapter, as he addresses the believers. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, Yahshua, Messiah, he says, to the pilgrims of the dispersion. Remember, last week we looked at the pilgrims. We're all pilgrims and strangers. But he's speaking to the ones here in his letter to Pontius, Glatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And then he calls them elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, In sanctification of the Spirit, in sanctification of the Spirit, and there's where we get a little clue, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Yahshua Messiah, grace to you and peace be multiplied. Did you catch that in the sanctification, in sanctification of the Spirit? It's written in Romans chapter 15 and verse 16 that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ, Yahshua Messiah, to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Set apart. No longer on that path of sin. No longer living to sin. No longer sinning to live. If, in fact, we are His, then He takes care of us. And we don't need to do anything contrary to His Word to exist. And there are some who say, but yeah, it's my job. I have to do this. And I'm not going to name all the different things that I've heard people say they have to do. No, you don't. God will give you some other form of employment. He will give you some other form of income. He will take care of you. He takes care of the birds. This is what our Lord said. This is why you're truly chosen to be a volunteer here, because he takes care of me. And I have no doubt about that one whatsoever, folks. There were people that were kind of nervous whenever I said, I'll be a volunteer. Well, how are you going to take care of yourself? I'm not going to take care of myself. God's going to take care of me. Bless his name. Sanctified by the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul was describing his role as a minister. He's ministering to these people. And yours truly shares that as a minister to the people. He's sharing that information, and he let them know that we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You can't stress that enough, folks. This is who does the work. The Holy Spirit. Christ did the work to bring us out of sin into God's kingdom. That initial act was done by Him, and we were brought out of darkness into light by His action, not our own. We are saved by what? Grace through faith. He did the work. Now, the next step of sanctification is where we participate. Because there are those that say, Oh, Pastor, you're preaching works. Well, the Bible tells us that we're going to do certain things and we're not going to do certain other things. And we are led by the Holy Spirit to do what it is that he has for us to do and we're going to stop doing whatever it is that he doesn't want us to do. That's his work on us as we move forward on his path, living our lives for him. It's not us except that we participate. He leads, we follow. He leads, we follow. He walks, we walk after Him. And that's out of darkness, into light. That's the key. That's the key. That's the process of sanctification. That's that ongoing process. The work of God upon a soul that is obedient to Him. Almost did a Dick Van Dyke there, huh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. If I roll around up here, I'm liable to hit something, though. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that long ago there was nothing on this stage but me. I felt lonely. I no longer feel lonely. Praise the Lord. And that progressive sanctification leads us to the permanent sanctification of God. He's the actor. He guides us. We follow. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, it is written, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Do you see that if you are His, He is in you. And you are set apart for His work. Think about this, okay? This is a vessel. We can call this glass a vessel, all right? This vessel is set apart for me right now to use it to drink water, and I'm going to have some. If God takes you, the vessel, and fills you with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is the water, you are the vessel. And that water is then nourishing not just you, but everybody else that you come in contact with. That nourishing is part of the process that we call sanctification. It's in Romans chapter 8 that we hear, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. The Spirit helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And that's a whole other teaching we're not going to go into deeply here. But the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Are you tempted? Is the enemy putting a temptation before you? Who helps you in your weaknesses? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit within you. So as you are walking in this life, you are being set apart. You are being removed. You are given every opportunity because there is no temptation that has come to you that hasn't come to all. And he says he makes a way out. And that way is provided by the Holy Spirit who guides you out of that temptation. Sanctification. Sanctification. Taking you and setting you apart for God's use. It's written in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2 To the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified, set apart in Christ Jesus sanctified, made holy in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, Yahshua Messiah, our Lord, both theirs and ours. In other words, everybody who names the name of Christ, He's their Lord. And there's a lot that argue against that. You know, we don't go for this lordship Thing You know, because after all, that means we have to obey, and if we're going to be able to live our lives as we see fit, then we don't have to obey. And I'm not going to get into all that. I just want you to know that the error comes from believing that you can sin. You may not sin. It is not something that you're given license to do, and the Holy Spirit will lead you out of temptation. This is why we pray. This is why the Lord said, pray, lead us out of temptation. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. You're sanctified in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints. And again, I'm not going to cover that topic of saints. We'll do that next week. It would take too much time. But suffice it to say that all who believe on the name of the Lord and Savior are saints. The Scriptures make it clear. In fact, all the letters to the churches say, To the saints in, to the saints in, to the saints in. I'm giving you a little prelude to next week. I'd planned to cover that idea, but I I believe it's better that we wait. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 13 is where we hear, Therefore, Yahushua also, the one we call Jesus, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. How are we sanctified initially? By his blood, by his sacrifice, by the fact that he was sinless, and he sacrificed himself so that we could have what it is that God offers, the gift of salvation. He sanctified, that he might sanctify people with his own blood. He suffered outside the gate. He was talking about the temple. He was talking about the the holy city and so on and so forth. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. In other words, as we're living in him, we are going to face reproach just as he did. For here, I know that's not a recruitment message for Christianity today, is it? Yes, join Christ and you'll be reproached by the world. No, 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 that's not the the message. It's usually like join Christ and you'll get rich or join Christ and you'll get a new car or a new job. You're going to be reproached. That's what the Word says, okay? You're going to be in tribulation. You're going to be in trials. For here, here on earth, we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Remember last week we talked about Being strangers, pilgrims, foreigners, that this earth is not our home. This is what he's referring to. We have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice to praise God. That's what he says. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. And here is another sacrifice, because he goes on to say, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. He's pleased with our praises. He's pleased with us doing good. Doesn't mean we brag about it. He's not pleased with that. He doesn't like us to brag. We don't take glory. He gets the glory. And to share. God provides you with something, you can share it. You can share it with others. You can share it with His kingdom, in the growing of His kingdom, the building of His kingdom. He says, God's well pleased with these sacrifices. Pursue peace with all people. And what's implied there next is pursue holiness. Seek it. Go after it. Okay? Work toward it. And all you'll preaching, work salvation. No, you're saved by grace through faith, but you work out that salvation. That's what the Scripture says. "...without which no one, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears." He wanted to repent. But he was rejected. And there we see a picture of the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not going to go into that because that's a whole other teaching. That's the one thing that will not be forgiven. In Hebrews chapter 12, it's written, Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us. This is verse 9 and 10, just before the passage we just read. He says... We had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Subjection means we serve Him. We don't serve sin. We are those who are serving Almighty God. He says, remember, those one, the one you serve is the one that you're going to be uh, subjected to. You're a slave. If you're a slave of sin or you're a slave of Christ, you're going to be a slave either way. I know that's not a recruitment message for Christianity either. Nobody tells you you're going to be a slave for God, right? But that's what the Scripture says, all right? That's who you are. You are slaves of God. You're His friends, but you're His slaves. You're His servants. Let me go on. For they indeed for a few days, our fathers, our dads, chastened us as seemed best to them but He for our prophet, that we may be partakers of His holiness. His holiness. We're partakers of His holiness. We receive it from Him. And we participate in the process as we live our lives in moving in that direction of having complete and total sanctification with Him. In Ezekiel chapter 36... It was foretold, Almighty God said, then I will sprinkle clean water on you. Think of the Holy Spirit. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. You shall be. Doesn't say you might be. Doesn't say you could be. Doesn't say you should be. You shall be clean, sanctified. Think of that. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Who's going to cause you to do what he wants you to do? Your master. Your master is going to cause you to do what he wants you to do. That's part of the process of sanctification. And you choose. Now, see, I ran from God for a long time, and I didn't choose to do what he wanted, and I got beat up. You ever fight God? Anybody here ever fight God? Don't do it anymore. It's a bad thing to do because you get hurt every time you get hurt. Don't fight God. You may be partakers of His holiness. He'll cause you to walk in His statutes, and you will keep His judgments. And He means will, okay? It's an absolute there. In Leviticus chapter 11, it's written, For I am the Lord your God. You shall, therefore, consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart for Him. Consecrate yourselves and you shall be holy, for I am holy. You shall be. He doesn't say you might be, you could be, you should be. I want you to be. He says you shall be. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth, for I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Now Egypt here, for us, is figurative. Sin is a picture of Egypt. We're brought up out of sin, We're sanctified. We're set apart from Egypt, from sin, from the old ways, the old world, the old whatever it was that he took us out of. And why did he do that? He says, to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. You shall therefore be holy. He's not saying that he just wants you to be, he said you will be, because he is. And if he dwells in you, guess what happens? Anybody? If I fill this up with water, is it any longer empty? If I fill it with mud, what's in it? Mud, right? And if God pours clean water in and cleans all that mud out, now what's in it? Clean water. No longer is it muddy. It's clean. So who are you? Well, the emphatic nature of that statement. You shall be holy. You are holy. Working as it is with the Holy Spirit to bring His glory to be in your being. You become what it is that He wants you to be, no longer even what you want necessarily. I didn't want to be a preacher. And those of you who have been here before, you know that. You're reformed by your Creator. You're regenerated in the likeness of Christ. Regenerated. You are sanctified, set apart. In relationship with Almighty God, you have lasting hope. You are people of hope. See, in each of these messages, I brought different ideas because I couldn't... It would take a whole year to go through, every, maybe even longer, to go through every idea that the Bible presents on who we are as believers. You are people of hope. You have lasting hope. It's written, When you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days... I'm reading from Deuteronomy chapter 4... When you turn to the Lord your God and obey His voice, do you hear that? Obey His voice, the Spirit of God speaks inside of you, and you obey. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. We do thank God for His mercy, don't we? We were just saying that this morning. His mercy endures forever. He will not forsake you, nor destroy you, nor forget the covenant of your fathers, which he swore to them. In other words, you have everlasting protection. When, when you obey his voice, you obey his voice, you walk in the presence of God. I'm almost, almost finished, folks. In Psalm 17, 15, it's written, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. Whose likeness? The likeness of God, Christ. That's that permanent and run sanctification. In Job chapter 19, and this is one that I use very often whenever I'm conducting a funeral... Because I want people to know that there is hope for believers. After my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another, how my heart yearns within me. There's the hope of believers right there. We will see God. We will see Christ. We will be permanently, totally, completely set apart for His use for all of eternity. But we, it's written in 2 Corinthians, We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Do you hear that process? We were saved from sin. We're being transformed through the process of our lives, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image. What image is that? It's the image of Christ. We're being transformed into the image of Christ as we live our lives. And I know this is a meaty, this is a very deep topic. I wrestled with this all week long, folks. This is hard to condense it down into one message. But I know this is exactly where the Lord wanted us all to be. Transformed. Beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being transformed into that image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Who does the work? He does, right? Holy Spirit is working on all of us. And He wants us to be holy people. Without spot. Without blemish, because he's coming back for a spotless bride. And I suspect the time is near. I could be wrong. I've been wrong on a lot of things in my life. But the signs are starting to look like maybe we're getting close. So be ye holy. As He is holy. And as I wrap this up, I want you to remember that believers are sanctified by the work of Christ. We don't sanctify ourselves. We do not take ourselves out of sin and into righteousness. He did the work. By His blood, by God's grace, we are saved. We're also being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And our ongoing participation. We were sanctified. We're being sanctified. Our actions, our ongoing actions, our participation, our obedience is that process of sanctification. We're sanctified in our hearts and our lives. You can see the fruit, is the word that's used in Scripture, the evidence. You can see how God is transforming you in your life. Many people are set free from many things. I've heard, in fact, people have said, you know, I asked for prayer, and it dropped off of me like a bad habit, and it was a bad habit. God takes away the sin. He sanctifies the believer. And finally, we will be sanctified by Almighty God when we enter the rest of eternity, enter into His rest. In Philippians chapter 3, and this is the last passage I'm going to read, Verses 20 and 21, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Yahshua Messiah, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. We don't like to hear that subdue word, do we? Because that makes Him the master. He sanctifies us out of sin. He sets us apart out of sin throughout our lives. He continually works on us to get us to that point of final or permanent sanctification with Him. Can we shout a praise to God for that? Praise God! Amen! Amen. Now let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your truth, the truth that's found only in Your Word. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to work on each of us. If there's anyone, Lord, that's in this building, or maybe some that are listening online, that maybe haven't had that experience of transformation, who aren't in the process of renewal and regeneration, Lord, those who perhaps are not moving in the direction of your presence, the final act of sanctification... I ask, Lord, that you would either bring them forward, or if they're in this room, or, Lord, that you would lay it upon their hearts to cry out to you so that they can be recipients of your grace. Give them a measure of faith, Lord, that they can step up and not be ashamed, but to stand with the believers in faith. I pray, Father God, that you would seat your word within our hearts, that we would all be your people doing what you want us to do. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, uh, I guess we'll receive an offering. One of these days I'm going to have you help, okay? Father, we ask that you would guide us in our giving, that it would be sufficient to meet the needs here and beyond. We trust, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to set aside or set apart some of what it is that you've given to us for the continuance of your service here that's done, Lord, not just in this building, but all over the world, I pray in Christ's name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. amen.